Hey, welcome back to our Bible study on the Gospel of Mark. We're all the way up to chapter 8. Yep, halfway through. Just yeah, getting, getting towards the end. Uh, Jesus is continuing his preaching and teaching his miracles uh, as he travels around uh, sharing the kingdom of God and the repentance of sins. Picking up in chapter 8, as I said, with Jesus feeding the 4,000. Hey, before we start, it seems uh, repetitive today, so don't think you've already signed on oh. and watched this study. Multiple elements have, I won't say already happened, seem similar to events that have happened just recently in our study of the book of Mark, both with some healing and some miracles. Right. Jesus healed more than one person. Yeah. More than one blind person, fed people. Yep. Good, good thing. All right, verse 1 from the NIV translation. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way. Hmm. Pretty hungry. <laughs> yeah because some of them have uh, uh, come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowds to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and gave thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a, small, uh, a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, uh, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present, and having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanatha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply <laughs> and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. So again, not a not a repetitive event, just a different event. Jesus right. feeds not the five thousand, as we saw. I think that was chapter six, but the four thousand mm -hmm. in the event for today. Uh, interesting. When I was reading this over, just looking at at before we came in, I noticed I think maybe the first time that I believe he uses the exact same language that Jesus says he has compassion on the people, and this is the exact same thing. I think in chapter six. When he sees them, he says that he had compassion on the people, for they were like sheep without a shepherd, that they didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. Yeah. And it's the same feeling or emotion that comes across Christ today in which he responds to these people. Right. And uh, it's, I think for me it's another reminder of uh, when we think we're in an impossible situation. Um, what do you do? Immediately, you turn to Jesus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He has compassion for us, and he he can do the impossible. He can absolutely do miracles. And I mean, as you mentioned before, the disciples seem like they can be like slow learners. Here, they ask that same question. 
where in this remote place can we get enough bread to feed them? And they have just recently seen him feed 5,000 mm -hmm. uh, people, and now it's 4,000, and they're asking the same question. And so maybe they seem like they're slow learners or that that was so miraculous that's not, not happening again. Maybe they're just giving up and kind of like, oh, well, Jesus, you figure it out. You know, yeah. you've done this before and kind of giving him the responsibility. Uh, but in any way, we can see this event happen. And you can see it's different, right? Different things happen in this event. It's not the same amount of people. It's not the same amount of uh, bread that's there. Right. It's, it, the leftovers, the leftovers are different. Were 12 baskets, yep. seven. So it's it different that happens here in this event. Right. And I don't know. It, we don't hear the tone of the voice, you know, when the disciples ask, ask the questions or, or, you know, their inflection. When they say uh, in verse of uh, yeah four, uh, but where in this remote place can we can, can anyone get enough bread to feed them? I mean, we don't know if they ask that question like really sincerely, like, oh no, what are we gonna do? Or if they're they're asking it like kind of hint hint yeah. hey, Jesus. Remember you did this yeah. <laughs> wink, literally wink at yeah. him. Yeah. Well, Jesus, <laughs> where are we gonna find enough bread to feed all these people? It almost feels that way. Because uh, I'm sure. Think about it. It was three days. Yeah. If those four thousand plus, you know, people were hungry, I'm sure the disciples were hungry themselves. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're like bread. Yeah. Dinner sounds like a good idea right now. Yeah. What, what do you we think, do? Jesus? Very remote place. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And as soon as Jesus uh, asked, "How many loaves do you have?" I mean, they were like seven. <laughs> Like seven. Yeah, there you already, go. We've already counted. Yeah, we already did. We learned last time when he told us to go out. We yeah. already did this. Super yeah. starving today. So, yeah, maybe that's what it was like. Maybe it was kind of like they had the bread, you know. So where are we going to find all this bread? He said, "How many loaves do you have?" We have, we have seven. <laughs> Let's so, go. I mean, in any case scenario, he does the miracle, feeds them, and then sends them off. And I like the picture that's there too, right? Coming to Jesus uh, to be able to receive something in our time of need. Even spiritually, right? It, mm -hmm. I think you really can. I don't even want to use the word spin. You can put that message on this. We come to Christ in our time of need. Maybe it is even in a physical time of need. Receive what he blesses us with, and then he sends us back out again, you know, fulfilled. Now, we even think of church kind of like that sometimes, right? When we come and receive the gifts that God gives to us through his word or through his sacraments, and then he sends us back out, and just like hunger it comes back again the need for us mm -hmm. to come back to our lord and to be with him and be rejuvenated again so we're not you know walking away and collapsing like he says you know yeah, if they don't yeah. have if they are not fed by this bread of life they will collapse and i think you know there's a, a good theme that's there along with christ and what he's not just physically mm -hmm. feeding these people but spiritually as well yeah absolutely and then the section ends with the pharisees we can't skip over that yeah. completely i mean no um I think it's just interesting how Jesus responds to their request. Uh, they request for a, a sign or a miracle. I have to say it's another funny element, right? It just says, let's say, he sighed deeply. Yeah. You know, when they ask him this question. And I don't ever see that on the flannel graph of the sign Jesus. Oh. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did that sigh look like? These I mean, it's people. A, These it, people. Yeah, it says the word deeply. So how? I mean, how deep was that sigh? And then he says those words. You know, why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it, which is 
he knows why they're there, right? It's not the same as the people. This miraculous sign has just occurred of being able to feed all these people, but that's something they really needed. And these people aren't even necessarily asking for that sign. They're listening to Jesus. They want to be taught by him. They just want to be in his presence. Mm -hmm. But the Pharisees are coming. They're actually trying to use this against him, right? Maybe see him do a sign, claim that it's maybe some type of demonic element that's happening or that we've seen him. Why is he healing on the Sabbath day? He shouldn't be doing these tricks, you know, during this time. So who knows uh, what's going on in their mind, but it's not for the positive. Yeah, I think that's the you got right to the point that I was thinking about is that it didn't matter what Jesus did for these Pharisees, they were going to find an excuse yeah. of why it wasn't God's power. It wasn't uh, any kind of sign or proof uh, of his deity. Uh, they didn't come up with some excuse. Um, and so he, just, he refused their request. Yeah. He just flat out refused. Which is so. neat because that really leads into our next section here of both these things combined. <clears throat> of the Pharisees and of the disciples and of this miracle kind of unites. Let's move on to verse 14 yep. there. Uh, the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, <coughs> Is it because we have no bread? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the, uh, for the 5,000? How many baskets or pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls did you pick up? They answered seven. Then he said to them, do you still not understand? This is an interesting, an interesting section because Jesus kind of, he kind of sparks it. The disciples forget to bring bread. Which, uh, they just think Jesus well, is a had, bread machine now. <laughs> well, well, think about it. They had picked up seven baskets left. That's the yeah. first thing I was thinking. Like, yeah, where'd he go? Had seven baskets. Where'd you guys like, do you with this? Take one basket with you in the boat? You just thought, oh, I'll just take one loaf. Yeah, yeah, one loaf. And yeah, who's like the guy said, that maybe... picked the one loaf? We just thought, as long as we have a piece with us, Jesus can always make more, which is very good maybe possibility. They, maybe they didn't want leftover bread. They wanted fresh they bread every like day from Jesus. Yeah. But then he tells them, be careful, and he makes that interesting statement. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So most of us probably know what yeast is for in bread. It's placed there to be able to rise and be able to make something you know grow but it only takes a small amount of yeast to be able to actually stimulate something and make that happen to i guess that's kind of a, a a figure of speech especially at this time of yeast being this evil element that's there to be able to take something and to be able to grow yeah and i think that it grows that it that it uh i'll use the word a tiny pinch infects the mm. whole dough yeah, lump of dough. Yeah, just a tiny little pinch, and all of it rises. Yeah, and so obviously Jesus saying the false teachings of the Pharisees and their worldview, uh, just a tiny bit of it will affect your whole faith. I mean, it's super close to a saying that we have in our uh, society today: like one apple spoils the whole barrel. Right? He's mm -hmm. saying something very similar to that. Yeah. But the disciples seem a little confused on it, which 
I do think is probably legitimate. I think there is some. Take it very confusion. literally. Yeah. Well, Especially when they bread. One, like, of them, one of them standing there with one piece of bread in his hand. I'm sure the other one said, I told you you should have taken the basket. <laughs> yeah. Or the other guy is saying, why didn't you guys all pick one up? I'm the one that brought it. Yeah. And I know uh, Jesus was sinless. He never committed a sin. Yeah. But I wonder uh, if uh, frustration is not a sin because. Mm-hmm. Uh, my view, again, don't know the tone of the voice, but is that Jesus is getting frustrated at this point. He just had this conflict, you know, head on with the Pharisees. And he's like, you've sized deeply. You people, it doesn't matter what I do. You're not going to believe. He gets in the boat. He's trying to teach his close, you know, disciples, mm-hmm, the ones he's really mm-hmm, trying to build mm-hmm. as the foundation of this church, teaching them the use of the Pharisees. And then they start talking about loaves of bread. And his voice is like, why are you talking about having no bread? Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about bread. I'm you talking ask, about... Are your hearts hardened? Yeah. Do you have eyes, but you fail to see? Ears, but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Like, He's kinda... that's a great point. Don't remember. Like, this just, this just happened. Which, I like this section, too, because it reiterates that these are two separate miracles, which some people still say it's two. I don't know how people still say somehow this was the same one or why they even argue that. But Christ yeah. himself mentions... Uh, how this both happens, right? And then he says, you know, do you still not understand? And I will say, it's it's their, their minds are focused on something else, right? That physical, that bread, mm-hmm. trying to almost think they're trapped in this riddle-like element. When he's trying to point them to something very different, and again, for application for us and for our listeners today, you know, don't we do that same thing? That Christ probably points us, or the Lord points us to something to be fed, but we just. And we can't get over this physical. Like, yeah, Lord, I know this needs to be going on or I need to be this, but can't you just fix this in my life? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, if I just had this, then everything would, would be okay. And we just, sometimes I think we miss what God is offering us or what he has already even done for us. They've already forget forgotten, it seems like. At least it's just in their mind. Like, yeah, he fed those 4,000, he fed those 5,000, and they've, they've already moved on. And, you know, don't do that in your life. Don't forget what God has really done for you and the things that we need to go for him for Thanksgiving. Uh, I would encourage all of our listeners today just even uh, think about that today. What are the things you can thank God for? Because I know when I start lining those things up, I'm just blown away sometimes, even just at the small things, and think, man, I, I really shouldn't forget this. And there's so much more that I do try to go after, but really all of it's sitting right there in front of me. And I agree with your point on the frustration too. I think that's a good point. I don't if you know. ask people, I like, wonder. I mean, if you ask people, what do you think is worse, uh, the concept of frustration or anger? Which one would be more sinful? I think most people would say, well, anger seems more sinful than frustration. But even the Bible itself says very clearly, in your anger, do not sin. Mm-hmm. Meaning that even anger, as you have mentioned in one, uh, one of your messages before. Uh, can be this righteous anger that's there, and it can yeah. be it can be <clears throat> different. And same thing though with frustration. Though I know there's times when things build up in, inside of me. Maybe it's just with something that like uh, somebody even I love, my wife or my daughter has done something that frustrates me. It can even be something small. Uh, but you need to kind of pause and take a step back and just know that that's not the biggest deal, or even if it is, mm-hmm. it's the way you address the situation, right? Even right. if you are frustrated inside, how do you then respond? 
both in our thoughts, our words, and in our actions. And I think it's the same thing with Christ here. Even though he's frustrated, he's still responding and being able to teach his disciples. He's not running away from them. He's still being able to, you know, be with them during that time. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, now, uh, well, except my wife has never frustrated me. I just want oh. to get that on the record. Oh. But, uh, sometimes my associate pastor does. I don't know. I don't, and, I don't know. I'm pretty sure lying actually is a sin. I don't, I don't, yeah, in in your lies, do not sin. No, no, it's just lying. Right, yeah. right, right. Sorry, trying to be funny. I don't want to take away from your point. That's a good okay. point. That's Thank a good you. Point. Okay, Pastor, I've got a question. All right. Before we leave this section, okay. um, if maybe this is an if, but um, the Old Testament religion that say God gave to Moses, okay, and this ancient Judaism. If that doesn't exist anymore, does that mean that we don't have to worry about the leaven from the Pharisees anymore? That's not a concern for us today. The leaven from the Pharisees? Mm -hmm. I guess it depends how you how you put that. There's still so many people around us in different ways that do this same thing, right? He's talking about infiltrating something, especially uh, who Christ is, with something that is evil, and using that same terminology that you used, uh, being able to infect that, doesn't our world do the exact same thing? And not just not just the world itself, but I think you even see infection sometimes from certain church bodies mm -hmm. taking something that is not in Scripture and altering it. Religious figures, just like we see, I mean, these would have been the religious leaders, obviously, of that day, but we still see people today that say, you know, if you pray hard enough to, to Jesus, you know, you're going to be you're going to be wealthy. Like if you just do these things, like God will make you wealthy. Or you know what? This Bible is great, but even things in the New Testament, there are some things in here that, you know, they just don't fit our culture for today. That was great for the people of then, but for the people of now, you know, I don't know, that concept of homosexuality, that's not really mentioned a whole lot in the New Testament, more in the Old. We should probably, you know, change what that what that looks like. And I think sometimes we see people in our world doing the same thing. And Christ, again, us as his disciples, he's really warning us of those things that happen. You know, be careful. Watch mm -hmm. out. Because people are going to step into your lives. And that's why I would even encourage... Pastor Mark or I are saying something in a message that you have a question about, I would ask us about it because you should be informed. And if it's something that we disagree on, let's let's talk about that and let's figure figure that out because it's better for our people to be able to understand and to know that that is the truth than to just sit back and always take that and say, okay, and I understand uh, that it's easy to be able to do that, but it's good for us to be able to Again, dive deep and make sure that we're in the Word. I mean, that's part of the reason why we're doing this Bible study, I right. think, Tay, for people to be able to understand things. Just like I mentioned and real quick we... about that compassion word, yeah. that's the first time when I think I read this word compassion in the second time, because I maybe I haven't read it so close before, that I was like, that's the same terminology he used in chapter 6. So even me sitting here with you and leading this time today... That was something new for me to say, hey, look at how these things matched up. And that's what we can keep doing, I think, is we're learning, too. Yeah, and that's also why we encourage you to send us questions. Even yeah. send your questions or comments about what we're talking about uh, so we can have that kind of two-way conversation about the Bible. Uh, 
I agree. I agree with you. Uh, it is definitely still a concern today. We need to be on guard for a, a false teachings because even a little bit can we get in and kind of impact yeah. everything. And where I, <clears throat> what I see is the really difficult uh, balance here. Uh, we talk about like paradoxes and dichotomies, or whatever. Um, say if someone. They don't have to leave our church. Say someone's looking for a church. They come visit our church. Oh, this is a great church. Well, we hope you come back. And well, they visit another church. And well, we like this there better. And so we're going to join this other church, other denomination. And it's like, well, okay, that is a denomination that, in my example, uh, that uh, they preach Jesus Christ. Yeah. Died for your sins. Yeah. Hey, great for you. But they also, you know, emphasize, you know, a little more of a, our works and how important that is. And it's just a little bit of yeast. I, I struggle because uh, I know uh, everyone who has faith in Christ is uh, saved. It's forgiven, yeah. has yeah. eternal life. It can be lots of, lots of people, all nations and tribes and races in heaven. Uh, but I feel very strongly that uh, the Lutheran Christians uh, have a very had the clearest gospel message of saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And it's just that simple. Well, there's anything a reason why, we right? add, Anything we add to that is taking away from Christ. And there's a reason why, because you're not adding anything, right? I mean, you really are, uh, from the Lutheran point of view, saying, what does Scripture say? So, so how do I take that then? So our particular tribe of, uh, here in America... Um, really harps on the kind of this unity of, of doctrine and mm -hmm. very hard lines between uh, even other Lutheran denominations, much less other, you know, Christian denominations. And I get it from the perspective of a little bit of yeast will ruin the whole loaf. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there is this kind of capital C church, mm -hmm. the body of Christ, oh, for that's sure. much broader and, yep. and diverse than, than what we are. Um, I don't know. It's I a, will say, I, I, I can only predict that I would guess that when I get to heaven one day, the Lord probably tells me something and the Lutheran Church that we were probably incorrect on. No. Not, not, even, not, even, not, even, not even one little thing? <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, the, the balance, I guess, I'm trying to say is, how, you know, um, Guarding, Jesus is warning here, guarding against a little bit of yeast, uh, ruining the whole loaf. In other words, a little bit of false teaching. Yeah. Ruining our whole faith, our doctrine, our teachings, um, versus uh, also being what evangelical, uh, God, you know, sharing the gospel, inviting, and encourage, you know. I understand what you're saying. All right, we're going to keep moving, though. This Bible says it's going to get super long. All right, we can wrap it up. All right. Well. Verse 22. Uh, they came to Bethsaida. Well, however Bethsaida. you want to say it. Yeah. It's Bethesda, Bethsaida, Bethesda. Uh, anyway, they got there, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. 
Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, don't go into the village. Well, uh, I guess, well, there's two things that I guess raise questions. One is the uh, spitting and the hands on the eyes, and then he just, he gets halfway healed or something. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he puts his hands on him again. Boom, now he's 100% healed. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. Well, first of all, I like that it talks about <clears throat> that uh, he's he's brought there. Some people bring this man. So again, we see individuals serving their friend. It's nothing. They get nothing out of it. Mm -hmm. They're taking their time to be able to see someone who is hurting and to be able to bring them to Jesus. I don't even think we need any application in our lives. It's pretty obvious to see. People that are blind around us or that are in suffering, mm -hmm. uh, they need Christ too. And so how can we do that? But then you're right. He takes this blind man. And I don't know. I always like the concept, first of all, that Jesus does use something uh, physical. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we might look at this and we're like, spit, eyes, that's so weird and so gross. But, I mean, look at the crucifixion of Christ. God uses something pretty physical mm -hmm. to be able to be that which wipes out our sins. It could have been anything that Christ, he's God. So God could have decided that Jesus could have done anything to be the one to be the sacrifice for our sin. And that could have just, it could have just been if God wanted to, since again, he is God, we are not. It could have been Jesus dying in his sleep at a certain age. That could have been the sacrifice that he chose, but he chooses one that stands out in our mind that is a super expensive price for us to be able to know and to be able to be connected with that. And I wonder for this blind man, if there's something in that physical piece too, that he chooses to be able to use, to be able to connect that together with him, to make it more memorable. I don't have any other better take of, I mean, because you could, again, we've already seen him do it by words of people sitting him or people even at a distance. Your daughter's healed, you know, go and, and check out the demons gone from her. But again, in this instance, God decides to use that hands-on connection. Do you have any insight on that? I mean, well, that's my favorite kind when it's hands-on. It's yeah. physical. Yeah. I think uh, obviously you mentioned the crucifixion, and then which paid for the sins, and then the, our forgiveness, our grace is delivered to us in physical through physical means, in with and under water, yeah. yep. and baptism, in with and under bread and wine and holy communion. Uh, God's very well. And God came in the flesh. Mm -hmm. God came to us physically, uh, so He is He is wholly other, uh, you know, infinite Spirit, and yet He chooses to come into our lives in very real ways that we get to see, feel, touch, smell, experience, and and know it's concrete. Like this has happened. God has touched me in the waters of baptism. Christ is in me, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the bread and wine I consume, it's a, it's a great gift. To I think it's an assurance of his presence and power in our lives. So then the actual miracle, uh, he, he, like you said, it's kind of like this two-part, right? He does this one thing, do you see anything? And I love the guy's description. I see people, they look like they're trees that are walking around. So he must see something that like, examines a trunk. Stick figures. You know? something that he's probably felt and touched before, right? He knows what a tree feels like. It's a, it's a round object that many times, maybe the size 
of a, a person, mm -hmm. and it seems to be, it's this blurry vision that he has. And so there's like this two-part healing, and that's interesting too, again, from the application side, it's like Christ is bringing him along, you know, it isn't this instant gratification, which it was for some people, and mm -hmm. so can our, our faith, right? The faith, what can be an instant step that happens with somebody's life in which the Holy Spirit really spins them, like Paul or something like that. Mm -hmm. But for some people, you know, it's this gradual time that takes, and mm -hmm. it seems like there's this gradual healing with this individual. Right. Again, I don't know if there's some huge insight on this, but I think we look at a miracle like this and we're like, no, that's good. That's did it good not person. work? Why did it take, why is it this two-part miracle? It still happens. That's what we should really be focused on. It still happens. Like yeah. it's not like it Blind took him two tries. I think it's a two-part miracle. And I would again. So let's compare it to our sins being uh, forgiven. Right. Our sins being forgiven is really kind of a a two-part miracle. Jesus has to both rise or die on the cross and rise from the dead. These two parts have to happen. He doesn't just die on the cross. He doesn't just rise because it has to go together. And it's kind of similar, I think, to this miracle. It's like this two-part of clarification, you know, mm -hmm. that, that happens for uh, this blind man and for us, too. Uh, and again, the biggest part is it really still happens and the miracle takes place. Absolutely. There you go. Don't go into the village, he That's says, the finishes up with. Yep. Well, he took him outside the village. Sure, sure, sure. So, so don't go back village, in. Yeah. He's like, don't go back in. <laughs> yeah. Show him that you can see now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Still kind of <clears throat> on the outskirts there of not wanting people yet to know exactly who yeah. he is and what he can do. Yeah, I wonder at this point if if Jesus, uh, like the fair, like in the same chapter, right? It was the Pharisees that came yeah. and tried to oh, yeah. show me a trick, so, and you know. Prove you're the Messiah. I think at this point, Jesus is like, uh, people either have faith in me or they don't. Hmm. And doing more tricks isn't going to convince any more people or harden the hearts of other people. And I don't know, maybe, or maybe uh, he, does, he, he actually wants people to recognize that he's the Messiah, the long-promised Messiah. He's not some, like, you know, hey, uh, give me a better life now yeah your best life now heal me give me rich you know prosperity feed me uh but he's come for a greater purpose you know to take away the sins of the world and that's what it kind of branches off into right so peter's confession of the christ i think this could actually be probably entitled something different because jesus is the one that's really the focus here uh verse 27 says jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around caesarea philippi on the way he asked them who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Yep. And very similar uh, conclusion there, mm -hmm. right? Still not telling anybody yet but taking his inner uh, group of friends and followers that he has and being able to train them up a little bit further. Yeah, and my understanding, this Caesarea Philippi was this mixed cultured yeah. uh, town. With, yeah. And um, I know people, I, I guess, taking the uh, 
vacation or whatever tours. Tours, both. And yeah, they, and they kind of bring them this one part of the city, uh, maybe where Jesus and his disciples were when he asked the question, which was kind of where they had these multiple statues, multiple gods, yep. kind of set up. Uh, like all these cut out, cutouts and rocks and, and stuff where they used to put different <clears throat> idols and sacrifice people to. Yeah. And or Jesus said, different items to, yeah. Right. And so he, he, he you know, gets to the, where the rubber meets the road. Who do you believe I am? Yeah. Which one of these, which one of these guys up here, you know, are these yeah. your gods? You know, who, what are people saying? I like that kind of, again, two-part question there too. Yeah. We, what do you hear? And then what about you? You know, what about you guys here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and these are the people, obviously, that lived with him, ate with him, walked with him, talked with him, uh, you know, for year, three years, and they're like, you're the, you're, the, you're the Messiah. And same thing for us today, like, these are the questions, right? Like, uh, I mean, what would, you, what would you say as one of our listeners today, you know, who do people in the world say that Jesus is? What are the words that come to your mind? You probably think of a lot of different well, titles, both for the positive and the negative. Yeah, great teacher. Uh, moral, peaceful protester. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Fictional character, figment yep. of people's imagination. Good guy. You mm-hmm. know, prophet. You a lot of different things. And then back. Yeah, even to other you. religions yeah. recognize him as a prophet. Yep. Given that much. So then back to you as one of our listeners today. Who do you say that I am? And not just today of like, ah, oh, you're my savior. Ah, oh, you're my messiah. You know, who do you really say that, that Christ is? Who do you confess him to be? Uh, and actually, that kind of leads a little bit into our, our next section as well. Mm-hmm. Why don't we keep moving here so we wrap up today. <clears throat> All right. Now we're in verse 31. Yep. Uh, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So Christ begins to tell his disciples exactly what it means that he is the Christ. Right. He just, yeah, exactly. He and just put it to them. Who am I? You're the Christ. Okay. And this is what the Christ came to do. Yeah. And it's not what they necessarily thought, right? No. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't the picture of the Messiah or God that I had in my mind. Right. I mean, in the trajectory of their ministry, you know, their whatever they thought it was at the time. You know, okay, two or three or four, you know, disciples and eight and then twelve disciples and then we're following and hit seventy two at one point and a few people, hundreds of people, thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. They're just like, Woo, we're taking off. This is gonna be Yeah. 
you know, unstoppable. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Big time. And uh, right at that moment, as they're really, you know, yeah, it's... taking off, he says, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> and it's like, a, yeah, you get whiplash. Wait a second. What's going to happen? But again, it really t- takes us, you know, what is our picture of God? We have the, the option of being able to look back on this. But as he moves into this next section, the words that he says to Peter, I think, are very uh, applicable to us today. Mm-hmm. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So now, uh, I like how Mark tells us in verse 32, very explicitly, that Jesus spoke plainly yeah, super about clear. this. So it's not like, uh, you know, a few days ago when they were in the boat and they were saying, Talking oh, about the bread. Houston 11, like, oh, I have a loaf of bread. How many loaves of bread do you have? I mean, there was no par- parable, yeah. no, you know, whatever. Yeah, he just uh, tells them. Symbolism in his Here's words. what it is, yeah. He spoke very plainly. And Peter got it. Oh, yeah. There was no confusion. Peter's like, no, this can't happen. And, uh, yeah, Jesus says, uh, yeah, get behind me, Satan. Uh, and then... It's interesting. Uh, Peter, I think, had some concern for Jesus, mm-hmm. but the way Jesus responded, I wonder if Peter wasn't wanting to save his own skin, too. I, I think that has to be it has to be a part of in it. here. Yeah, because just like you mentioned, of what they think is happening or should happen. Yeah, I mean, it's right there in the words, right? So he says, Again. "If anyone comes after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me." Um, who, if you want to save your life, you're going to end up losing it. But if you lose your life, my sake. And that's the, again, it's the opposite of what they thought was going to happen, right? It's not even this plateau. It's just, no, we thought we were going up. Now you're telling us, especially those words, like pick up your cross, like you've been condemned. You know, mm-hmm. now you need to, to walk this path. Uh, that's pretty devastating, I think, for the, mm-hmm. the disciples. But for again, for us too today, these words that Jesus continues to say, over and over again, uh, I think especially what cuts at my heart is when uh, not even just like this ex- exchange for your soul or who would rather want things of the world. I think a lot of us, again, we go after things of this world. But the piece, you know, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And I think that's cutting, you know, mm-hmm. at the times... I've never told somebody like, oh, no, I'm not a, not a Christian or somebody's asked me and I've said that. But, you know, are there times in my life when I could have done more, yeah. when I could have done said something more? Like, yes. Oh, I'm not going to assert back. myself here. Yeah. I'm just going to And you, quiet. you think, oh, it's going to blow up this whole situation. And I have had that. I've had that happen before. I can remember specifically one time when Rachel and I were on vacation and we had a conversation with two people in a... In a swimming pool, and it was horrible. Like it went, it went, it went south so fast, and it was not, it was not good. And uh, but at the same time, the Lord says, like we're still supposed to be able to speak. And it wasn't even like trying to be confrontational with somebody. It was actually was them asking a certain question and just responding in a really cordial way. But something that again, people of a certain mindset may not mm-hmm. really appreciate. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to speak about and share about the Lord literally in everything we do. I don't want at the end of my life, God telling me, Hey, you know, you could have done this here or that. Not that he's pressing down this upon us, but these words are pretty clear that, you know, the son of man will be ashamed of him when it comes to his father, the glory of the angels. 
And, you know, just as it talks about what is the whole world worth if you forfeit your soul, nothing. And so on that last day, you know, don't all of us want to be welcomed by our Lord, knowing that we have done as much as we possibly can, not just to save our own skin or something, but really to be able to evangelize to other people around us and be able to share with them the great news that God has given to us. As you mentioned in your message on Sunday, that we are all God's children and have been adopted by him. Just I think sometimes some people don't want to take advantage of that adoption. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're right. I think the biggest hesitation I have, I think most people have, is uh, in, in talking about our faith, sharing whatever, sharing our faith, talking about just faith in general as a, from a Christian view, as, you know, asserting that into a conversation. You know, I think the biggest hesitation is, what are they going to think about me? Yeah. You know, and we worry about what what is the world going to think about us? What does it matter if you gain the world and lose your soul? What really matters, what is Jesus going to think about me? Yeah, yeah. And when he comes back, is he going to be, that's that's my boy, yeah, that's my girl, she did. Or, oh, I'm so ashamed. Yeah, and, you know, put a a positive spin on it, too. Mm -hmm. What is going to be the one time that you did do that, or somebody in our congregation did do that, and on the last day Jesus says, hey, remember that? here's so-and-so, you know, sitting over here that's in heaven now because of, uh, you know, that time that uh, the Spirit gave you that opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to speak with that person. Like, that'd be a big deal, you yeah. know. Uh, even if it's just one person in heaven that, that you were able to affect in some way would be would be crazy. It'd just be monumental, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Big privilege. Big responsibility. All right, well, why don't we wrap up there? Sorry, I know it's a little bit longer today, but super good uh, information. Long chapter, good study, too. I think, too. Yeah, a little bit longer. A lot of vignettes. All right, let's right. close up with prayer then. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time to be able to dive into your word today with you, uh, that you promised that you are here with us to be able to uh, unite us with your son and to be able to train us and teach us up. So, Lord, as we heard within our uh, word today, let us not doubt you in anything, but be able to focus on the power of your uh, healing. Open up our eyes that we may see clearly as your son has come and uh, physically uh, touched each and every one of us uh, to be able to be your disciples. Allow us to put aside things of this world, to focus on uh, being able to achieve glory with you that you have given to us through your son. Uh, And allow us to always remember that, Lord. It's not these things that we are doing, but what you can do through us and have already done through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Have a great week. See you next week.